Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Ariel Zilber, La'an Panta'ahvatenu. He recorded that. It's an old, old song that he recorded recently. Welcome one, welcome all. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and making us a part of your day. We are here with you at the Israel Show every Monday, live, immediately following JM in the AM. It usually turns out to be 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and then you can listen to us whenever and wherever you want, on demand. And we created a little, um, like a little presentation to show you how to download the show in the Nachum Siegel Network app. So when you're in a Wi-Fi area, you can download the entire show into your app, stays on your phone or on your device, and then you can listen to it in the car or whatever without using up data. But we're going to post that on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Of course, later on, we're going to post the uh, links to the songs that we played and articles that we speaking about. We're going to talk about a very sad situation in the world of Jewish people and the state of Israel, it's the growing boycott movement coming from different sources. We spoke last week about the judo competitors, the Israeli athletes who had to compete in an Arab country without any Israeli logos or flags or identification. We'll speak a little more about that in greater depth. And last week, after our show, the Washington Post 
the Washington Post published an op-ed piece by two professors, Stephen Levitsky and Glenn Weil, the title of which is, We Are Lifelong Zionists. Here's why we've chosen to boycott Israel. You hear it? They're lifelong Zionists. I don't even know if they... Whatever, I don't want to... We'll get to that later. So those are two topics that we will cover. And uh, before we go to the uh, next song, we usually like to have some two songs at the beginning, I want to share with you a 30-second clip. I don't know why I am hearing myself in the headphone in a way that is making me crazy. Okay, I think that's better. Um, we're going to play for you a 30-second clip. It is a clip of Vice President Joe Biden, who spoke over the weekend to a gathering, a national gathering of the movement of Reform Jew- Judaism in America. Understand that usually, stereotypically, but truly, the reform movement in America is very left-wing, meaning not supportive of, let's say, Benjamin Netanyahu and his policies. Pro-President Obama and his policies. So don't be surprised when they applaud greatly for Vice President Biden and his words. He is reacting to the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu appointed somebody to work on Hasbara, which is bad way of saying it is propaganda, but basically fighting Israel's war in the media around the world, public relations, publicity, and so forth. We have to fight, and he appointed somebody who seemed to be very good, and of course they went and found quotes of his on his Facebook page, which were satirical and taken out of context were very derogatory of uh, the current administration. And here is Joe Biden telling the reformed Jews what he thinks. There is no excuse. There should be no tolerance for any member or employee of an Israeli administration referring to the president of the United States in derogatory terms. Period. 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 There is no justification for a Fisherelli voice degrading the Secretary of State has worked so hard for so long for the security of Israel. Mr. Vice President, one, it was not an official Israeli voice. Mr. Baratz was not an official yet when he posted these satirical remarks on his Facebook page. Please remember that, period. Number two, is this rebuke coming from the same administration that called the Prime Minister of Israel, chicken sh, complete it yourself in a word that I don't think is even appropriate for me to say? Do you think that's appropriate? And you think it's appropriate for you to get all worked up with your righteous indignation about how how inappropriate it is, period, period, period? And about the Secretary of State who worked so, so hard? For what? To sign an agreement that everyone in Israel across the board agrees is a horrible agreement. It's a threatening agreement. It's an g- agreement of an existential threat to Israel. Hey, calm down. Period, period, period. Joe, give it a rest.
It's a prayer. The days that are ahead of us, that are set for us in the future. May they be good, true, solid, as the President of the United States meets today with the Prime Minister of Israel for the first time since the Iran executive action. It's not a deal. No, no. It's an executive action. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in and making us a part of your day. We hope that you tell others, if you enjoy this show, tell them they could get this on a podcast, they could download it, listen to it whenever they like, in the car, when they're driving, at home, while you're doing the dishes, maybe. Who knows? Wherever you like. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the Israel Show. So the Washington Post published an op-ed piece by uh, Steve Levitsky. Stephen Levitsky, I believe these are two Jews. Yes, they are. Stephen Levitsky is a professor of government at Harvard, Harvard University, and Glenn Weil is an assistant professor of economics and law at the University of Chicago. And they write, we are lifelong Zionists. Okay. That's interesting. Like other progressive Jews, our support for Israel has been founded on two convictions. First, that a state was necessary to protect our people from future disaster. And second, that any Jewish state would be democratic, embracing the values of universal human rights that many took as a lesson of the Holocaust. Undemocratic measures undertaken in pursuit of Israel's survival, such as the occupation of the West Bank and Gaza, and the denial of basic rights to Palestinians living there, were understood to be temporary. But we must face reality, they continue. The occupation has become permanent. Nearly half a century after the Six-Day War, Israel is settling into the apartheid-like regime against which many of its former leaders warned. The settler population in the West Bank has grown 30-fold, from about 12,000 in 1980 to 389,000 today. The West Bank is increasingly treated as part of Israel, with the green line demarcating the occupied territories erased from many maps. Israeli President Reuven Rivlin declared recently that control over the West Bank is, quote, not a matter of political debate, it is a basic fact of modern Zionism. 
Well, this quote-unquote basic fact, they continue, these uh, two Zionist progressive Jews in America, Zionist by their own touting, this basic fact poses an ethical dilemma for American Jews. Can we continue to embrace a state that permanently denies basic rights to another people? Yet it also poses a problem from a Zionist perspective. Israel has embarked on a path that threatens its very existence. The occupation is exasperating demographic pressures that threaten to tear Israeli society apart. The growth of the settler and ultra-Orthodox populations has stoked Jewish chauvinism and further alienated the growing Arab population. I'm going to read this sentence again, ladies and gentlemen, because it is so shocking to me that that people who call themselves supposedly progressives and liberals and people who want democracy that 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 they can write this sentence and and not feel it's it to be smack in the face of whatever they're saying. Here it is again: the growth of the settler and ultra orthodox populations, meaning the fact that in Israel. There are more and more religious people and people who live in Yudan Shomron and they have naturally grown and therefore are becoming more of a majority and have more of a say based on democracy. Now I'm going to continue from their article. Has stoked Jewish chauvinism and further alienated the growing Arab population. Wow, I wonder what the solution to that should be. Maybe we should have a one-child policy for only ultra-Orthodox Jews and settler Jews. Anyway, back to the article. Because I want to read the article almost in its totality and then then read to you the answer as given by an Israeli who I respect highly, Yoaz Hendel. And comment on that as well. So back to the, uh, ins- <laughs> okay, back to the article by these two professors, Levitsky and Weil, about why, even though they claim they're Zionists, they're choosing now to boycott Israel. So they just finished saying that because there are now ultra-orthodox, a large ultra-orthodox population and, and a large settler, quote-unquote settler move, movement uh, population, th- these have alienated the growing Arab population. It's amazing to me. I must, I, I gotta interject. I know I shouldn't, but it's amazing to me that he doesn't write, oh, the growing Arab population is somehow alienating the Jewish population. The growing Arab population who is becoming more and more violent, is threatening physically the Jewish population. But that doesn't seem to be a problem for him. Back to the article. Divided into increasingly irreconcilable communities, Israel risks losing the minimum of mutual tolerance that is necessary for any democratic society. In such a context... Violence, like the recent wave of attacks in Jerusalem and West Bank, is virtually bound to become normal. My friends, do you understand what he's saying? He's basically saying, well, of course the Arabs are going to be violent. Look at the terrible things the Jews are doing. It amazes me. What is psychologically wrong with these people? Okay, back to the article by Professor Levitsky and Professor Weil of Harvard and the University of Chicago. This appeared in the Washington Post. was read by millions of people. Finally, they write, Occupation threatens the security it was meant to ensure. Israel's security situation has changed dramatically since 1967 and 1973 wars. Peace with Egypt and Jordan, the weakening of Iraq and Syria, and Israel's now overwhelming military superiority, including its undeclared nuclear deterrent, have ended any existential threat posed by its Arab neighbors. Even a Hamas-led Palestinian state could not destroy Israel, as six former directors of Israel's internal security service, Shin Bet, argued in the 2012 documentary, The Gatekeepers. It is the occupation itself that truly threatens Israel's long-term security. Occupation forces 
occupation forces Israel into asymmetric warfare that erodes its international standing, limits its ability to forge regional alliances against sectarian extremists, and crucially remains the principal motive behind Palestinian violence. He does it again. He again understands what creates Palestinian violence, as if he wasn't there before 1967, or at least doesn't never heard about what happened. Back to the article, Washington Post op-ed piece. In making the occupation permanent, Israel's leaders are undermining their state's viability. Unfortunately, domestic movements to avert that fate have withered. Duh, I wonder why. Thanks to economic boom and the temporary security provided by the West Bank barrier and the Iron Dome missile defense system, much of Israel's secular Zionist majority feels no need to take the difficult steps required for a durable peace, such as evicting their countrymen from West Bank settlements and acknowledging the moral stain of the suffering Israel has caused to so many Palestinians. So let's pause here for a minute. He's saying that the reason there is no more strong left wing in Israel who support a two-state solution is because there's economic boom and um, they have temporary security by the barrier. No, no, that's so not it. You are so not in touch with what's going on in Israel. My dear professors in your ivory tower, no, it's because every time we tried we saw the disastrous results. That's the reason that there's no... That's the reason that people who used to vote left stopped. They are so out of touch. Well, let's cut now to the... Um, to their statement of uh, of boycott. They continue in the Washington Post. This is Professors Levitsky and Weil. For supporters of Israel like us, all viable forms of pressure are painful. The only tools that could plausibly shape Israeli strategic calculations, the only tools that could plausibly shape Israeli strategic calculations are a withdrawal of U.S. aid and diplomatic support and boycotts of and divestitures from the Israeli economy. Boycotting only goods produced in settlements would not have sufficient impact to induce Israelis to rethink the status quo. So we have to boycott everything. Everything from Israel has to be boycotted. Funds from America can no longer go to Israel. Weaponry from America can no longer go to Israel. These are the pro, these are the Zionists, these great Zionists. I continue, it is thus reluctantly but resolutely that we are refusing to travel to Israel, boycotting products produced there, and calling on our universities to divest and our elected representatives to withdraw aid to Israel until Israel seriously engages with a peace process that either establishes a a sovereign Palestinian state or grants full democratic citizenship to Palestinians living in a single state, we cannot continue to subsidize governments whose actions threaten Israel's long-term survival. We'll get to the answer. Don't worry, there's so much to say here. Israel, of course, they say, now now they have to justify themselves, because look at the rest of the world. Israel, of course, is hardly the world's worst human rights violator. Doesn't boycotting Israel but not other rights-violating states constitute a double standard? It does. We love Israel. Oh, we love Israel, yes. And we are deeply concerned for its survival. That's why we're going to kill it. We do not feel equally invested in the fate of other states. Oh, I see. Because you love Israel so much, you are going to boycott and sanction it. Oh, gosh. Unlike internationally isolated states, such as North Korea and Syria, Israel could be significantly affected by a boycott. Oh, you see, not only is it that we love Israel so much, but this weapon that we want to use against Israel will be very successful. It'll force Israel to do things it doesn't want to do, but things that we want it to do. The Israeli government could not sustain its foolish course. 
Oh, the hubris. Without massive U.S. aid, investment, commerce, and moral and diplomatic support, we recognize that some boycott advocates are driven by opposition to and even hatred of Israel. Our motivation is precisely the opposite. Love for Israel and a desire to save it. And after this next musical break, we will reply to these I don't know, misguided, I guess, is the best word I can come up with, professors. I'm going to introduce you to Yochai Ben-Avi. Brand new music from him is called Bo Venetze. Wonderful young musician, Kipas on his head. We uh, will post the uh, YouTube video on our Facebook page that you could see the uh, video of the song as well as him playing along with the band. Very cool song, very nice words. He wrote both the words and the melody, the lyrics and the tune. Bovenetze, it's called. We're debuting it here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. תגיד כמה שנים כבר לא צללת אל הים מתי הלכת בשדה, כתבת איזה פרח האם אתה זוכר איך אז צחקנו עם כולם מתי בפעם האחרונה הצצת לשמיים האם הקשבת לא מזמן לכל הציפורים היש עוד בים תחתך חיוך תמים או שניים זוכר איך בקולי קולות היינו אז שרים אז בוא ונצא לצלול נקטוף חיוך ודשן נבדוק אם לא יבשו המפלים אם השבילים עדיין שם יש עוד המון יהדות גם אם עבד הזמן יש עוד שירים לכתוב יש עוד את מי Nice stuff, Bovenetz, Yochai Ben Avi. A very, um, it's an upbeat melody, but the words are also very cool. Get out, come on, when's the last time you went uh, on a trip to the moon? No, <laughs> on a trip in the moonlight, actually. When was the last time that uh, you jumped into the ocean for a swim, or you picked a flower, or you laughed together with everybody else? It's very cool, very nice song. So let's go out. Let's dive, let's pick flowers. 
Let's smile. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We were discussing uh, before what we were discussing now. <laughs> Vice President Joe Biden's incredible statement uh, over the weekend about how it's unacceptable that anyone in Israel should use any derogatory words against an official of the United States, period, 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 he said. It reminded me of uh, of another period, period. It seems that uh, when they say things that they're not too convinced of or know that are hypocritical, they say... Per- the President of the United States went around before the election saying, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your health plan, you can keep your health plan, period. Remember that? I know I couldn't, as millions of others couldn't, period. And Saul Lieberman, our friend and listener from Israel, posted on his Facebook uh, page, besides what I had quoted about what they called Netanyahu, he reminds us that Susan Rice, the President's National Security Advisor, said about Netanyahu in talking to one of the Jewish leaders that Oh, Netanyahu did everything but use the N-word to describe the president. Yeah, there's another wonderful way of uh, talking very politely. Okay, we are going back to the analysis of, we're going to now respond to these two professors who may be good at what they teach. I don't know, uh, Stephen Levetsky is professor of government at Harvard, and Glenn Weil is professor of economics and law at University of Chicago, and they may be very good professors, but they have no clue about the Middle East. Not a clue. And um, I'm going to use as a guide to our answer a, uh, a Facebook post by Yoaz Hendel, Dr. Yoaz Hendel, actually. Has a young man, very interesting uh, life, was uh, in a fighting unit, one of the elite fighting units in the Israeli army. Then he went on to work in government he was uh, working in the Prime Minister's office when Benjamin Netanyahu was Prime Minister in one of his previous um, rounds. Left there, got his doctorate, I believe in history and poli-sci. He writes a uh, weekly column in Yediot Achronot. He appears much on Israeli television and, television, and I'm very impressed. He's a very thoughtful person. He is not a raving right-wing person. He's not a gung-ho supporter of Netanyahu. He is very, I would say, very much in the center, and I think he's very rational. I think that he sees certain things going on that, if not corrected, are going to become major, major problems for us. Maybe in a future show we'll discuss it. For example, the neighborhood's of Yerushalayim that are behind the fence that Israel built, the defense fence. And he's explained how, in effect, Israel is dividing Jerusalem, all the while saying that it'll never divide Jerusalem, but in effect doing so, and we have to make very tough decisions now. Anyway, that was just to give you a little bit of background of Yoaz Hendel. So he penned this answer, which it did appear in Yedirah Hronot, Let's start with the bottom line, he says. You, you professors Levitsky and Weil, you are calling for a stop to military aid and diplomatic support by the U.S. because your opinions on diplomacy weren't accepted. Meaning, the the elections in Israel came out not the way you wanted them. You want a peace treaty in which settlements or settlers, I should say, are evicted and settlements are destroyed and a Palestinian state established and there isn't one. So, your solution? You need to boycott Israel until your demands are met. This this should be satire, but it's not, sadly. Be democratic, you say. Accept our opinions as we've decided, or we'll make sure that you don't exist. That really sums it all. That's that whole article that they wrote in the Washington Post, these great loving Zionists who love Israel. They basically say, we know what's good for you. 
And if you don't accept what we think is good for you in this most complex area of the world, we will do everything we can to fight you and quite frankly, God forbid, to try and put an end to Israel because as you say, Israel can't survive without American aid and commerce and weapons. That's really the crux of the whole thing. The hubris of two professors sitting in their ivory towers in America trying to understand, believing that they really do understand why the Arabs are attacking the Jews and of course it's the Jews' fault and saying, well, because you and Israel aren't coming up with a solution that I think is right well, then we're going to have to force you to do it we're going to boycott you I'll continue uh, with Yoaz Hendel. Here's a suggestion to the professors. Look up interviews with Ehud Barak, Ehud Olmert, Sipi Livni. Google it. All three of them ran negotiations with the Palestinians. All three of them believe in territorial compromise, two-state solution. All three wanted peace with the Palestinians, at least as much as you do. They negotiated and failed. Yes, in your theoretical world, Israelis and Palestinians would sit at the negotiating table and compromise here and compromise there. The Palestinians would establish a democratic state next to the Jewish state. A democratic state where no violence would occur. A democratic state where all religions would be allowed. The economy would flourish. And you, and, and you would watch in ecstasy and satisfaction. However, all that can only happen in theory. Because in reality, the occupation, quote-unquote, and the settlements, which you see as the reason there isn't peace, were created after, after 1967. There is a long-standing religious and national conflict way before that, a conflict between societies, one free, the other not. Do you know that the PLO was established when? In 1964, three years before the quote-unquote occupation in order to bring terrorism to Israel. The Palestinian attacks on Zionist Jews who came here started long before that. We know they started in the 1920s and even before that where Jews were just murdered for no reason at all. I'm not mocking your desire for a utopia in the heart of the Middle East, says Yoaz Hendel, although I will say yes, I am mocking. Because quite frankly, there is much to mock. They want a utopia in the Middle East. They think they're negotiating, they're going to sit, we're going to negotiate, and everybody's going to be happy ever after. The problem lies in what you do with your disappointment once you find out reality is different. Your Israel, and I'll add that the Israel of most of the Jews in America, those who voted for Barack Obama, the, the almost 80%, most of the liberal Jews in America, Your Israel is an unrealized Jewish liberal dream. Blessed are the dreamers who sit far away from the range of Palestinian knives, far away from the rockets gathered by Hamas after Israel backed out of Gaza, far away from Muslim countries whose societies are disintegrating and who are slaughtering each other before they get to us. Blessed are those who insist on being wrong. Oh my, that's really the crux of his answer. There's more, but that's the crux of it. Two professors sitting in the United States who, because they were born Jewish, 
get to go around and say that they're, oh, we love Zionism, we love Israel, and then go ahead and do the worst thing, support a boycott. Because Israel isn't acting the way they want Israel to act. My, oh my. We'll post, um, let's see. I guess we'll post both articles. The Washington Post, I, I sort of hesitate to post that one, but we'll post it together with Yoaz Hendel's article. I embellished it a little bit because uh, it was translated from English by somebody and put on the Ynet a news site in English as well. The translation isn't great, but I'll put it up the way it is, and I'll also put up the Hebrew version for those who speak Hebrew. It's a well, well-written piece by um, Yoaz Hendel, who in general does write very well. Um, I didn't realize it until recently that there are right-wing protest songs in Israel. People from uh, Yudan Shamron who have written songs of protest. And here's one. It's called Kfish Shishim, Highway 60. It's the one that goes north to south, connecting, um, I think, Tzomet Yitzhar all the way down to Hebron, a very dangerous road, which is constantly under attack. The words start, Kfar Nisinu Hakol, we tried everything, Halachnu al Klalim, we went by the rules, Hirkanu Roshenu Shebanu Choftim, we've bowed our head to those that hit us. Lo Hitzlich Adarkenu, but, it, we weren't successful. And our roads have sprouted up crossing guards, crossing stations. In our hearts, we are true, but on the sides of the road are the victims of the terror, the dead bodies. I found it very interesting. It's Chai Afik is the name of the artist. It comes off an album called um, Shirei Ahava Umecha'a, Songs of Love and Protest. Here is Chai Afik with Kvish Shishim. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
שלא זורח מעל בנייני הבירה, כי לובשי הגלימות לא עוזבים שום דבר אחר מלבד תהילה, וכמו אכילס בזמנו, שהרג רק כדי ששמו ייזכר, כך המלך שלנו מחריג והורס, כדי שלנצח ידעו שהוא היה מפגר. Protest music. Kvish Shishim Chayafik from his album Shirei Ava Umecha'a. I love how, uh, I love how he quotes Dylan in, uh, in the, in the words, you know, quoting the, uh, the American protest music, uh, icon. And then he quotes, and then he refers to Mayor, he means Mayor Ariel, who was, uh, an earlier protest music, um, writer in Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Listen, they are going all over the United States with pre-Aliyah planning meetings and pre-Aliyah career planning meetings. Many of them are filled up. The registration is full for the meetings. There's one tonight. Yes, tonight, and, and it's not filled, it's in Paramus, New Jersey. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's a day, it's the, a, a day long, um, pre-Aliyah planning meetings from 11 to 7.15, and then there's another one on the 10th of November in New York City that's not filled up, and in oh, Beachwood, Ohio, which I think is, uh, suburb of Cleveland, yes, Cleveland on 15th of November, all of this information, plus a gazillion more pieces of information, they are all available on their website, which is just really cool. And, and I gotta tell you, to have a great website with a lot of information, even if you're not considering going out tomorrow, go to the website and take a look at it and, and, and find out about things that you may not be aware of. It's NBN, Nefesh Ben Nefesh, N bn.org.il nbn.org.il they are an organization that is devoted entirely to making aliyah easier and they have succeeded so much in that goal nefesh benefesh revolutionizing aliyah the israel show is proud to be sponsored by nefesh benefesh here's a new one 
Ovadia Hamama and Gad El Baz. Um, off of the album. Is there an album that I know that this is off of? Yes, Shirat Haaretz is the album. Horeni is the song. Mahu HaChoshech Mahaor Mahatamei Umahatahor Horeni Hashem Derachecha Hadjurichaini Ba'amitecha Kol Ritzoni La'asot Ritzonecha May I remind you that Ovadia Hamama considers himself a secular Jew. What a world we live in. Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hareni Hashem, Avadya Chamama, and God Elbaz. My name is Mayor Wangan, you tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So we have to wrap up, and of course I didn't get to talk about one of the other things that we had on our agenda today, the sports, international sports um, situation, so we'll talk about it next week. It is a very troubling situation. It is similar to what we did speak about, the boycotting of Israel, but this is in the sports realm. On the positive side, there are uh, some great Israeli athletes, and it is uh, so exciting and, I think, inspiring to see that Jews have um, excelled in an area that Jews haven't done in the past. And the latest is the uh, kickboxing gold medal winner in the World Championship of Kickboxing that took place uh, over the weekend in uh, Belgrade. Nili Block, a religious young woman, 20 years old, from Beit Shemesh, Israel, won the gold medal of the World Championship kickboxing this past weekend. She speaks in an interview about the difficulties of carrying kosher food with her wherever she goes, of Shabbat and all the other things. Kol HaKavod. Wow. 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 That is really, really something. Okay, we're going to close out with, uh, let's see, Hatikva Shesh. We'll do that one. How's that? Masha Yehiyeh Yehiyeh. Before we do that, we thank you, as we always do. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your day. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments, and we have some more today. And may they continue. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday music mix prepared by the great Mark Zamek. Until next Monday, following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Shubetarega, <laughs>
Hey, 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 hey,